So grateful that you are here. Um, I envy you because I really wanted to come to the 12 service today uh, because of the hour change. I was like, oh man, I want to come to the 12. Uh, my wife wouldn't let me. So, um, okay, so we're in, a, we're in a series. We've been continuing in this series. It's um, five ways to wreck your life. And the reason we started this series was because we have witnessed many people wreck their lives in predictable and very systematic ways. We've seen people destroy themselves. And so we said, we, gotta, you know, we, gotta, we just got to teach on this. We have to ask God for help in uh, revealing this to us. But the big idea of the big idea of the series is that there are two ways that Christians can live their lives. There are two ways. One is that a Christian can live his life thinking, how close can I get to the ledge before disaster happens? That's one way to live life. So uh, that Christian will read in the Bible, hey, don't be drunk in wine, but be drunk in the spirit. That is, don't be controlled by outside substances, but be controlled, be directed by the spirit of God. But the Christian with the philosophy that, of life that says, how close can I get to the ledge? They go, yeah, okay, I won't be drunk, but can I have a glass of wine? What about a glass and a half? I'm at least 40 pounds heavier than that girl. Can I also have a beer afterwards? And so they live life seeing how close they can get to the edge and the ledge, and they do that to their own detriment. It's disastrous for them. We said that's one way that the Christian can live their life. How close can I get to the ledge? Another way is asking, how close can I get to the Lord? Asking ourselves this question, are my actions uh, are, are my actions reflecting my love for Christ and his love for me? Are my hopes, my dreams, my desires, my will, my uh, plans, are they all reflecting the love that Christ has given me for himself? Do they reflect that? And so one lives to their destruction, how close can I get to the ledge? The other lives, how close can I get to the Lord? And so what we've done is we've looked at several different topics. We'd say, five ways to wreck your life? Well, here's five ways to commit adultery. And we've given you, that was week two. Week three was five ways to lose your faith. Last week was five ways on how to become an addict. This week, we're going to look at five ways on how to be discontent. Because that's exactly what Satan wants for your life, to be unsatisfied. So as, as we look at this, I was thinking in my own life of where I am discontent. And, I, you know, um, my family just recently, we bought a house. Now, the reason we, got, we were able to buy the house was because some of you remember, some of you know the story. I, uh, I lived close to the ocean uh, in the Rockaways. Sandy came, took the house, took the car, took everything. Well, um, you know, 
really what the devil means for evil, God really can use for good, really does use for good. And uh, we got in all the donations that came in and when people found, all the Christians found out throughout the United States, from Brooklyn, from Manhattan, from New Hampshire, from Florida, from Texas, from California, we got something like $160,000 to buy the house that we have now because we were homeless, right? And so it was like a bad habit because every few years I would become, me and my family would go homeless. And I was like, man, you gotta, there's got to be a meeting for that. And so, and so God said, no, this is enough. You know, you're, you'll, you'll get a place. You'll, you'll, you'll get a place. And so we got the place. Here's the point. A few months ago, uh, we have this thing called um, Netflix. We don't have TV, but we have Netflix. Netflix. We watch these TV shows about how they take this really little crappy house and they make it into this stupendous house, like Gracie Mansion or something like that, right? And so, like, here's this crappy house, and you start thinking, my house is nicer than that. And then by the end of the show, you go, why don't I have a house like that, right? And so my, my wife and I were watching, and I get addicted to these things, right, because I have an addictive personality. And so um, I, I'm watching them, and, and you know what? I started to look, and I was like, I don't like the way we decorate this house. You know, we need to blow that's the big word, right? Blow out this wall and, you know, open concept. And those are the things that they're talking about. I said, we need to blow out this wall and open concept and put a, a wing in the back and all that other stuff. And so I was looking at, but I was really becoming very dissatisfied with my home. I wonder if I'm the only one who's like that. I'm wondering if I'm the only one who, if you look at something long enough and you start to not only desire, but over desire that the stuff that you have doesn't look as good. See, we can do this with our, with our physical fitness, with the way, way our body is, right? We go to the gym, you know, we see another person and we go, wow, that person is really in shape. That person is really fit. And then we start going, oh, I don't know. Or maybe we look at a magazine, ladies, right? God forbid. You look at a magazine, so you know, even those ladies don't look like that. I'm telling you, Adobe is something else. Yeah, Photoshop is something else. Um, and you look at it and you become dissatisfied with the way you look. Perhaps it's you're driving a car and then you see that brand new 2016 drive right past you. You go, oh, I deserve that 2016 car. And all of a sudden, you're very appropriate, you're very reasonable car is totally unsatisfactory. Or maybe you're doing this in your marriage. And within your marriage, you're saying, you know what? She's nicer to me. He's nicer to me. They're more loving. Or maybe you see a couple and you say, why isn't our relationship like this couple's relationship? Maybe you see this movie and you go, you know, there's not enough romance. And you start becoming dissatisfied. Now, the reason that that happens, and by the way, the principle that I'm about to teach you, you could be a Christian and, and, and know this principle, or you could not be a Christian. This does not predicate, this principle is not true just because you're a Christian or not. This principle is true to life. And here's the principle. You destroy what you have when you over-desire what you don't. You destroy what you possess 
the gift that Jesus has given you, you destroy that gift when you over-desire what you do not have. This is the source of so much unhappiness in the world. If you ask someone who makes $35,000 a year, you know what they'll tell you? If you say, how much money would you need to make in order to be happy? You know what the common response is? $75,000. That's the common response. If someone makes $35,000 a year, the common response is $75,000. I would be so happy. All my problems would go away. $75,000 a year. You know if you ask somebody who makes $75,000 a year, what would make them happy? What would be enough for them? It's $150,000. 150000 If I could make $150,000, that would solve all my problems. All my issues would be done. You know, if you, if you ask a person with $150,000 what they make, if you ask them what would make them happy, you know what would make them happy? Listen to me. Just a little more. Because everybody's misery is found in over-desiring something that they don't have, and in return, destroying what they do have. Everybody's car is fine until you see the other car. Everybody's, you know, marriage, you know, not everybody, but we should say, you know, our marriages seem fine until we start comparing them to other things. Our health, even our bodies, seem fine until we start comparing them. You see, all misery is found in this principle. You destroy what you have when you over-desire what you don't. Now, here's the thing. God knows that you and I are envious creatures, that you and I lean towards ingratitude. God knows that about you and me. And so he put scripture after scripture after scripture in God's word to tell you, in essence, to find your satisfaction in Jesus, to find your joy in Christ, that God would be your all in all. And it isn't until you understand that, that listen, if you're a young person, oh, that, that other person that person really has it fun, right? Like you go, oh, that family, that other person in your junior high, your high school, your college. If you're working, you say, oh, that, when I get to that office, when I have that corner office, when I make that much money. If you're in school, if I made those grades, if I was that intelligent, if it was that easy for me. When in life, as you compare yourself to other people, you always make yourself miserable when you over-desire what you don't have. The reason you need to listen to this message, we're going to get right into the text. The reason you need to listen to it is because I've seen people blow up their families because they thought that the happiness was found in another wife. I've seen people make themselves financially stressed out because they thought that if they just got this car and, and they, didn't, they didn't factor in that that car came with a car note. And they make themselves financially miserable. I, listen, I've seen people blow their lives up, blow their health up, blow their marriages up, blow their relationships up over not being content, not saying, thank you, God, 
Because let me tell you something. The reason that people are miserable is not because they don't have enough. The reason people are miserable is because they're not grateful for what they do have. The enemy of your joy is not enough. The enemy of your joy is ingratitude. And so I want us, listen, I want your marriage to work out. I want you to be thankful for the body that God gave you. I'm, I'm telling you, this is where joy is found. So you know, the grass may look greener on the other side, but the only reason it does is because they use more manure. <laughs> there are reasons. And you will find yourself unhappy no matter where you are. Unless you, get, unless you download the principle that we're talking about today. You destroy what you have when you over-desire what you don't. We'll stand at the reading of God's word. It's our tradition here in this church to stand because God is wonderful. I'm going to read this to you. I want you to let it just sort of wash over you. Um, we're reading verses 6 through 10, although we're only looking at verses 6 through 8. We're really, but I just, I'm, I'm such a stickler at giving you context. I wanted you to give, I wanted to give you the whole paragraph, okay? But we're really going to focus on verses 6 through 8. So I'll read it to you. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation. Uh, those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and have pierced themselves with many griefs. 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. This is God's word. Please have a seat. So we're going to look at this and we're going to talk about contentment, but I want to just sort of address the last two verses, verses 9 and 10. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Listen to me. Having a lot of money leads, can lead to all sorts of destruction. If you don't believe me, just get you some. All sorts of crazy, maddening things people do when they get a large amount of money. Just do me a favor. Look up lottery winners within the 20th century. Oh my. You got this guy who... Uh, wife tried to kill him. You got this guy who went broke twice. You got this. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. The Bible is true when it says there are all sorts of troubles. Then in verse 10, it says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It doesn't say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. Don't, tell, don't hear me say that if you have wealth or if you have, and, and by the way, we're all wealthy, just in case you're not sure. We're all wealthy. We all, if you had to, listen, if you're not sure if you're wealthy, listen, if you had a choice of shoes to wear, you are in the top 5% of the world. If you are, in terms of wealth, 
if you had running water in the inside of your house, you are in the top 5%. If, if you drove here, you own your own vehicle, you're in the top 5% richest people in the world. Trust me. We are all rich. You go, oh, but I live in a shelter. Trust me. People would trade places with you around the world in a minute. We're all wealthy. So when the Bible's talking about rich people, you just need to go, me. The question isn't, are you rich? The question is, are you grateful for the level of wealth that God has already given you? It says, the love of money. See, the number, the number one heavyweight contender for your heart against Christ is not Satan. It's money. It's your stuff. Collecting things. That is the number one contender for your allegiance with Christ. It's your stuff. Over and over, something like seven to one, Jesus talks more about your stuff. Seven to one over hell, over heaven, over all these other really important theological topics. You know why? Because he knows that the number one contender for your affections for Christ, the number one contender will be your stuff, your money, your stuff. And so that, just a quick overview on that. The reason Christ doesn't want you to be uh, ordered around by money is simply this. Money is a wonderful slave. It's a horrible master. When you tell money what to do, money is a fantastic slave. When money is telling you what to do, when stuff is ordering you around, when you go, I can't go to church. Why? Because I got this car that I have to pay for. That's money telling you what to do. When you say, oh man, I got all these bills, all these credit card bills, what are they for? All these clothes that I bought that I really don't wear and they still have tags on them? Yeah, money's telling you what to do. Oh, I can't be generous. I can't give because I don't have enough money. Well, money is telling you what to do. Money is a wonderful slave. It's a horrible master. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Today, though, this week, we're talking about being satisfied in general. And we'll see in verse 6 how powerful. Let's read this verse together. One, two, three. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, stop. Do you believe that? Do you? Then why are you so miserable? Why? Why are you so unsatisfied? If it's true that godliness plus contentment is great gain, why? Why do you find yourself so discontent? Well, it's him, it's her, it's it, it's that. Beloved, listen to me. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Our joy is found in Christ, not in what other thing we can get. Our satisfaction is found in Jesus. Our deliverance, our surrender, our peace is found in Christ. Godliness doesn't mean being good. It means being satisfied with Christ. That's what godliness is. 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. Your misery will show up when you don't see this verse as true. Your discouragement will show up once this verse is no longer true for you. You will find yourself on a treadmill of performance and getting more once you forget this verse. It's godliness, being in Christ. That is our great gain. That is our reward. Finding our satisfaction in Jesus. No, 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 no. If I get into a relationship with her, that'll be great. But that's not where my joy lies. My joy lies in Christ. Not if the marriage works out. No, my joy lies in Christ. Not if I can fit into those size eights or sixes or whatever your number is. No, my joy lies in Christ. He is enough. He is satisfactory. He is enough for me. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For, because, the reason that I just told you that last sentence. For, we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. There are no U-Hauls behind hearses. Cannot, listen to me, while you cannot take it with you, you can send it on ahead. Christ says, um, store treasures in heaven. Like you, can, you could so live your life as a person who's not controlled. You're just not consumed, not controlled by your stuff or money, or anything, that you're like, Jesus, what do you want me to do with this? You want me to bless this person? You want me to support this ministry? You want me to give unto this project? I will do it. And the reason is, is because I can't take it with me. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. You know the thing that you think will make you happy if you just get, you know, like that extra pair of shoes, or that lovely dress, or that fantastic car, or that great phone? or that nice house, or that neighborhood, or that boss, or anything. You can't take it with you. You brought nothing into the world. This is why Jesus keeps on telling us, don't set your eyes. We, we talked about this. He says, set your eyes, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, because earthly things expire. Everything you see is like a carton of milk. It has an expiration date. Everything. The sun in the sky, the trees of the field, everything. Your car will be garbage, will be eventually, the car that you sacrifice so much will, will eventually be crushed down to the point where it's smaller than this pulpit. Everything has an expiration date. Everything. You brought nothing into this world. You can take nothing out of it. But, however... On the other hand, if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Isn't that good? If we have food and clothing, in other words, if we have what's needed, our joy, because it's in Christ, can't be taken away from us. Our, our satisfaction, because it's found in Jesus, won't be removed from us. Because my joy is in Christ. I have the car. I don't have the car. It's great. Things is gravy. 
I have the job, don't have the job. The church loves me, the church hates me. Doesn't matter. My joy and contentment is found in Christ. Being content with Christ means that whatever you receive from Christ, you receive with joy and gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, for this job. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the way I look. Thank you for the nose. Thank you for the eyes. Thank you. Oh, but I wish they were. No, no, no. Stop. Stop. He's given you a gift. He's given you a gift. Don't have such contempt for the gifts that God has given you. He made you look the way you look. He even was, had you born in the family that you were born in for a reason, a purpose, a good purpose for you. It's our, it's our delight found in Christ. Because if you don't see that, you'll eventually destroy. Why? Because you destroy what you have when you over-desire what you don't. Now, I want to teach you now how to be dissatisfied in five easy steps. Five easy steps. But before we do, I want you to know, listen to me, that everything is found in Christ, that while everything is temporary, your joy can be found in Christ and nothing can take. So when the doctor says six months to live, you can still have a smile on your face. You can say, God, thank you that I have these precious, this precious gift of six months to live. Thank you. Please let me share you with others. Let me find my satisfaction in sharing you and rejoicing in you. I'm telling you, it changes everything. It changes everything. So let's look at the first. The first way to be dissatisfied. One is be great at being ungrateful. We just talked about this. Be sure to focus on what you don't have. And when other people get blessed, make sure you get really angry. And ask God, why didn't I get that? I deserve that. Secondly, Compare what you have with others who have more. If you're gonna, the secret to being dissatisfied is constant comparison. Is always looking to someone else for what you deserve. Whenever you find yourself, and if this is really important, if you're gonna do the second step. If ever you find yourself really satisfied and content with what you have, like your marriage or your children or your body figure or your financial place or where you are in leadership, it, listen, whenever you find yourself satisfied in Christ in whatever station of life you are, what you need to do is find somebody who's a little bit more along than you and focus on them. It will kill that kind of satisfaction. You won't be satisfied for long. Thirdly, pursue temporary treasures rather than eternal things. In other words, make sure that all of your money, all of your money goes to the stuff that you can see. Don't give anything at the church. God knows, you know, all I want is your money. God knows that you're going to pay for my Cadillac. Keep on telling yourself that. Keep on telling yourself that when you hit the lotto, that's when you'll be generous. That when you fall into a lot of money, that's when you'll, listen, do that. That's when you'll begin giving. 
Why? Because if you're going to be unsatisfied, you need to pursue temporary things. Don't invest into the kingdom of God. Don't give a dollar to the church. That would be moving towards satisfaction, and you don't want that. Four, resent God for where you are in life. Be angry with God for the stuff that you have. Make sure that you keep on reliving it in your mind and get angrier and angrier as time goes. So let's review because we don't want you to miss this. If you're going to be unsatisfied, be great at being ungrateful. Compare what you have with others who have more. Pursue temporary treasures rather than eternal things and resent God for where you are in life. And fifthly, this is unbelievably important. Listen, you're never going to be truly dissatisfied unless you do this fifth one, okay? Cultivate an attitude of entitlement. You got to work on that. That's not a one-day thing. You got to keep at it every day. Discipline. Discipline. Cultivate an attitude of entitlement. And if you're very good at that, maybe you'll inherit that to your children. If you're very good at it. But only, that's for the pros. That's for the pros. Cultivate an attitude. Every time you see... Uh, Every time you see a position that you wanted, every time, you know, in terms of like uh, uh, work and business and things like that, every time you see a, a, a romantic relationship that you view as better than yours, ask yourself, why don't I get that? And make sure you whine when you say it. Why don't I get that? Why is it? I, I, I go to church. Why didn't I get that kind of a job? I tithe. Why didn't I get financially blessed? Go like this. Make sure that you go. Make sure that when you see somebody else get blessed, make sure that it's a, a condemnation unto God for not giving you at least what that person got. Cultivate an attitude of entitlement. And if you, again, if you do that well enough, you'll inherit it to your kids. And then they'll be like, you're not going to give me those $4,000 sneakers. And you could get to hear them. But I got a B in math. You can get to hear them treat you the way you treat God. That's five ways to cultivate dissatisfaction. But I don't want you to cultivate dissatisfaction. I want you to listen. Godliness, resting and trusting in the salvific fruit of Christ, that he died on the cross for your sin, that Jesus lived the life that you should have lived, but you did not. And he died the death that you deserve to die, but do not have to. He died it on the cross, paying for your sin penalty, giving you, in fact, right relationship with the Father, that Jesus has done enough, and that whenever any dissatisfaction comes in, you realize that you have more than enough, that you are more than wealthy, that you are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus, who has given you all good gifts. That when you find yourself, think about this, you find yourself homeless. You go, I have a home that is waiting for me in heaven, and I get to look forward to that, and that this world at best is 80 years. I get an eternity to be roommates with God. Or your marriage is, you go, I'm dissatisfied because look, my marriage is falling apart, and their marriage is not, and you, right? and, and, and you're, and you find yourself dissatisfied. You go, but wait, Jesus is coming for his bride 
and my satisfaction is in that marital union. And out of that overflow, I'll overflow it into this marriage. And even if she doesn't receive it, even if he doesn't receive it, oh, there'll be satisfaction because that's the real marriage that makes me happy. This marriage was never meant to make me happy. So you know, so you know. God's primary job is not to make you happy. God's primary job is to make you like Jesus, to make you look like Christ. So God's primary job is not to make you happy, it's to make you holy. And so if, in fact, God is using my spouse in a way to chip away at some of my stuff, then I get great gratitude because he's using her as a primary tool to make me look more like Jesus. See, no matter where you find yourself in life, your satisfaction can be found in Christ. So when you find yourself unsatisfied with your body, remember, you destroy what you have when you over-desire what you don't. When you find yourself uh, dissatisfied with your church, remember, you destroy what you have when you focus, when you over-desire on what you don't, on your vehicle, on your home, in your marriage. You get it. So this week, here's what I want you to do. This week, as you go throughout the week and you find yourself over-desiring other things, just in case you don't know what that means, if you just go, hmm, if you get a hmm in your spirit, that's what we're talking about here. Hmm. I don't know what you say to yourself. You might say to yourself, hey, you know, why don't I get that? Why don't I, you know, whatever it is. You know, why didn't, why don't I, why, they got married. God, you gave them a married partner. Why don't you give me a married, like if you're single. And then, you know, if you're married, you go, God, you gave them a divorce. Why didn't you give, you know, right? Okay. And so wherever you're at, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. What I want you to do is when you find yourself dissatisfied, what I want you to say, so say, for instance, it's a car. You know, the car, this week, the car won't start. And be like, see, I need a new car. We'll start. And you go and you, and you go through, you know, and you become a 45 minutes late and all that other stuff. And it's so frustrating. Ah. What I want you to stop and I want you to say, that car is not going to make me happy. Christ is enough for me. That's where my happiness is. It's not found in that car. It's found in Christ. When you find yourself comparing yourself to other students, being popular is not going to make me happy. Christ is enough for me. When you find yourself struggling over your job, you go, no, no, no. That corner office is not going to make me happy. Christ is enough for me. I want you to tell yourself these things. Remind yourself. Preach the gospel to yourself. Tell, you, tell yourself of all the good things that you have in Christ and tell yourself until the hairs on your arm stand up. Because in him, we have far better than anything this world can offer. Now, 
If you're here and you don't know Christ, I just want to give you an opportunity, man. Here's, here's the gospel in a nutshell. If you're not sure, oh, I don't know, I don't know about this Jesus thing, here's, here it is. It, the Bible, the gospel, in a nutshell, it, it all points to this. You ready? Here it is. You're worse than you think. So much worse than you think. So am I. I make excuses. It's interesting. When people harm me, I, you know, I get angry at them. When I harm other people, I make excuses for myself. You are far worse than you think. And you're more loved by Christ than you can imagine. That's the gospel. God, the gospel is that God knows you're grimy and you're dirty and you're nasty and you're filthy and he loves you like good, he loves you like good food anyway. That's right. And so listen to me. Knowing that, knowing that, and you've gone throughout your life and you haven't found the satisfaction that you found, or maybe you did find it because you found it in something. I'm telling you, it's not going to last. It never does. Everything has an expiration date. Run to the one who satisfies eternally. Run to Jesus. Here's what you do. You go to Jesus and you say, hey, Jesus, all the, all the sin, all the deviation, all the moral faults that I've had, I believe that you paid for. You paid for them on the cross. You paid for an eternity of hell, six hours, one Friday afternoon. So I'll give you my sin if you give me your righteousness. It's a good trade. It's a good trade. I'm telling you, our satisfaction. I'm not talking about every moment, ha ha, happy. Sometimes when you're in Christ, you go experience difficulties, but there can be real satisfaction when our focus and our delight is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, there are a bunch of you here. And you just found yourself, you find yourself dissatisfied. You're, dis, you're just mad at your marriage. You're unhappy in your workplace. You don't like your family relationships. You find yourself dissatisfied. But if you find yourself dissatisfied, let me submit to you that perhaps one of the reasons why you're dissatisfied, maybe not all, but at least one, is because when you desire what you do not have, you destroy the thing that you do have.